Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary stranger. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Mitch Batros from the Science of Cycles is standing by to talk about Earth changes, the coming pole shift, the Earth's weakening magnetic shield, cosmic rays and climate change, and much more. What's in the box will be uh, moved to the second hour. We'll tell you all about that in a little while. Uh, let me introduce uh, the boys in the band, of course, uh, on the Flying Gibson Guitar, technical producer Ian Robertson. On the Rickenbacker bass guitar and theremin, story producer Albert Vinzel. And on the Hammond B3 and kettle drums, intern Ryan White. Gentlemen, good to see you. Uh, we are live and uh, streaming on YouTube tonight, live streaming on YouTube tonight. If you want to join the Hangout on Air, you know what? I have been directing people to my Twitter feed and click on the HOA link. And then uh, talking with Ryan and Albert here, I, I thought, I'm, I'm an idiot. It's, it's far more simple. Uh, than that, but it's above my pay scale. So uh, rather than have people go to my Twitter feed, if they want to stream the show on, on YouTube, you just subscribe to the YouTube channel, right? I believe that should work, yeah. Right. You subscribe to the YouTube channel, <laughs> the, uh, the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. You subscribe, and then... Recommend it for you, and it will show how many people are viewing Live. Right, but but then if they want to stream it, they just go on there and they click it, right? Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Never mind going to the Twitter feed. I mean, please go to the Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett, and say hello. But you knew this the whole time, Ian, probably, and you said nothing, right? Kind of my thing. <laughs> All right. Go to the YouTube channel and subscribe. All right. Um, what else do I want to say? Just a reminder, uh, speaking of websites and so forth, please visit strangeplanet.ca. Strangeplanet.ca. That's a landing page, really. And from there, you can go off in uh, different directions. You can go to the radio page for this program, uh, The Conspiracy Show. But you can also go to the TV page for my TV program, also called The Conspiracy Show. Now, the link of theconspiracyshow.com. It was down for a while. The link was down, but I've rebuilt the website, and it's live again, theconspiracyshow.com. And if you're a fan of the TV show, why not show it off? You can go to the online store, and we've got all sorts of conspiracy show merch there. We've got uh, men's and ladies' uh, tees and uh, sweatshirts and hoodies and mugs and phone cases, whether you've got an iPhone or a Galaxy uh, or an Android or whatever. It's all... Uh, right there, theconspiracyshow.com. Makes a great, well, I know Christmas is over, but it still makes a great gift, right? Shrove Tuesday is what says, you know, happy Shrove Tuesday, or happy Arbor Day, for that matter. Then a nice conspiracy show mug, theconspiracyshow.com. Uh, oh, I received this lovely, I guess it's a New Year's card. Let me, let me hold that up there. Can you see that? And, uh, unfortunately, although this is handmade, it's beautiful, but the, um, the glue came off in the mail. And so it's, it came, it came apart, but it's still very lovely. And let me just read it for you. I get lovely mail. It's nice to receive mail rather than just electronic, right? Dear Richard, you really are the best. I have listened to the conspiracy show for quite some time now and absolutely love it. A few of the many reasons. You are an outstanding interviewer. Is she listening to the right show? Uh, your topics are varied and compelling. Well, thanks to Albert for that. You have a good sense of humor. Uh, you are obviously a man of morals and character. Well, Margaret, you've clearly been drinking. 
Uh, my only complaint is that you are not on more fre- frequently. And by the way, some of my favorite shows are the woo-woo stuff, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, UFOs, etc. And I love the shows with R. Gary Patterson. Uh, but your more esoteric shows are great, too. I wish you, the mighty Aphrodite, and your twins a wonderful new year. Looking forward to more great radio. God bless you, Margaret Harden in West Sacramento, California. Margaret, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Beautiful card. All right. Um, what else did I want to say? I guess that's it for now. Uh, listen, breaking news from uh, Mitch Batro's Science of Cycles newsletter. The Earth breaks a heat record. Now, it's not breaking news this part. I mean, we knew, or we heard, uh, that, that we were breaking all sorts of heat records in 2016. But uh, Mitch says, why this means nothing. Why the heat record we set in 2016 means nothing. He writes... Last year, the Earth sweltered under the hottest temperatures in modern times for the third year in a row, U.S. scientists said Wednesday, raising new concerns about the quickening pace of climate change. A temperature sparked uh, to new national highs in parts of India, Kuwait, and Iran, while sea melted faster than ever in the fragile Arctic, said the report by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. By the way, they were hacked by the Russians. That's true. Uh, they didn't say anything about it then, though. Uh, taking a global average of the land and sea temperatures from the for the entire year, the NOAA found the data for 2016 was the highest since record-keeping began in 1880. Mitch puts that in quotes. That's important. 2016 was the highest since record-keeping began in 1880, said the announcement. And there's your answer to why this means nothing, Mitch says. The recording of temperature variations is barely over 100 years old. This is nothing as it related to geographical shi- geological shifts, which can be measured in thousands of years, millions of years, and even billions of years. It's all relative to cycles, short-term cycles, long-term cycles, medium-term cycles, cycles within cycles, the spin cycle. Let's not forget the spin. Climate cycles can be associated to solar cycles, which in themselves provide short, medium, and long-term cycles. Climate variants can also be associated to solar system cycles, which are driven by interplanetary cyclical disturbances, which include shifting variances in our galaxy Milky Way. To no surprise, it does not stop there. Unfortunately, our newest astronomical instruments do. Now, perhaps, Mitch writes, you can see why I have turned my attention to my latest body of research titled Science of Cycles. The further and more advanced our astronomical instruments are developed, the more we learn of the intricate web of causal effects identifying a relationship from our most distant galaxies to our small little house called Earth, which is located in our tiny neighborhood called Solar System, part of our city named Milky Way. Mitch Batros is a scientific journalist who is highly respected in both the scientific and spiritual communities because of his unique ability to bridge the gap between modern science and ancient text. Founded in 1995, Earth Changes Media was born with Batros as its creator and chief editor. Now Mitch heads up Science of Cycles, which continues his research with special attention to newly discovered findings indicating a cyclical connection between our galaxy Milky Way with our solar system, Sun and Earth. Science of Cycles has quickly found its way in becoming a top source for news and discoveries in the scientific fields of astrophysics, space weather, Earth science, and ancient text. And his book, now available, Global Warming, A Convenient Disguise, 
and solar rain. The earth changes have begun. Now available uh, for purchase, and we'll tell you how to get those in a moment. Mitch Batros, welcome aboard. How are you? Hello, Mitch. Hello, Mitch. Not hearing Mitch. I'll tell you what we're going to do while we're trying to get Mitch Batros on the phone. Let me direct your attention. We have a cigar box next to me. We're going to do what's in the box here very quickly. We're going to introduce it anyway while we try to get Mitch back on the line. Now, last week we had Douglas Cottrell, remote viewer on the program, and and he kind of basically uh, read me the riot act. And this, and let's face it, our remote viewing experiment has been a bit of an abysmal failure. And basically, Douglas was saying it's it's your fault uh, because I wasn't directing people's attention properly. So the idea here is we hit we I, we we have something here in the box, an object. And Albert has been studying the protocols of remote viewing. And all of you listening at home, you can try and ascertain what is in the box. So I'm supposed to direct your attention. So in other words, I'm going to tell you. I have an object sitting in this cigar box. I'm opening the lid. That was the other uh, mistake that I made. I was concealing it too well. And it's sitting on my desk in my studio at this radio station, 70 Jefferson Avenue, Zoomer Radio, in the Liberty Village neighborhood of Toronto. There, I've directed your attention. Now, hone in on the object sitting on my desk. And I want you to, I want you to focus. I want you to suspend your analytical mind. I want you to quiet your mind. And I want you to focus and allow the object to form in your mind. All right? Think about texture. Think about color. Think about size and shape. Maybe jot down some descriptive words that come up. Or maybe even sketch it. Alright, so, we're gonna, we're gonna, I've introduced it, we're gonna set that aside, and we will reveal what's in the box a little bit later. And if you want to uh, partake, if you're listening at home and want to partake in our remote viewing experiment, use the hashtag, TCS Remote. TCS Remote. And for the person uh, out there listening who comes closest, we'll set you up with some Conspiracy Show merch. Maybe a t-shirt or a mug or a phone case. Alright. I think we have Mitch Batros on the line. Mitch, are you there? I'm right here, Richard. Hey, Mitch. Welcome aboard. Good to have you with us. <laughs> it's great to be here. i I got to tell your audience, uh, uh, folks, he's a real professional. You know, I, I, I've been where Richard is, live on camera, and when things don't happen right, you know, you've got to be on your feet uh, and, and, and do a recovery. Richard, you did a great job. <laughs> well, I can, I'm, I can watch you on, on YouTube. I, uh, that's a great uh, deal that you have. Well, it's not so pretty, I'm afraid. I apologize for that in advance, but here I am. <laughs> and uh, the cleaning lady will be coming in and mopping up my flop sweat in a few moments. But no, all kidding aside, good, good, I understand. good to have you back with us, Mitch. Not a problem. So um, I was reading your um, from your newsletter, and uh, we all heard, you know, how... Again, being warned that 2016 was the warmest on record. But you point out, listen, these records only go back to 1880. And we're talking about geological age, ages, geological ages that go back uh, millions and in some cases billions of years. And we have data that only goes back uh, 130-some years. It's not terribly significant. That's right. Um, so uh, luckily, they, they kind of answer their, their own uh, uh, posturing in, in, in this article. Uh, I give them credit for that, at least giving us a reference. Some, some, uh, some of the articles that come out don't even do that. So we, it's such a small snippet of time. I would go beyond disingenuous. I would call it reckless. 
it just doesn't give us a really clear idea of what's going on. Really, what it comes down to is money and resources, and you send data out like this, it can mislead us into where we should direct our energy and finances. Right. In other words, yes, the Earth may be warming, but compared to what? Compared to when? And you can take a slice and make any sort of pronouncement you want based on that little slice, but you've got to look at the big picture. And the big picture tells us what, Mitch? That we are living through cycles that are so long and complex, we can't even, you can't see the forest for the trees. Now that's right. Um, I did put a graph up on uh, on my website, uh, scienceofcycles.com, and it, it shows um, a graph of a span of 400,000 years. 400,000 years, a little bit better than 120. All right, listen, I've got to jump in, Mitch. We've got the music coming up. Uh, we've got you on. We're happy to have you here. When we come back, we'll talk about galactic cosmic rays and how they figure into these cycles and how they figure into climate change. Turns out that could be the key to everything, cosmic rays. Back with more of my conversation with Mitch Batros from the Science of Cycles, scienceofcycles.com. Back with more on The Conspiracy Show. In a democracy, we elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? Welcome back. Mitch Batros on the line from Science of Cycles, scienceofcycles.com. Uh, Mitch, how do, uh, how do we get your, uh, your books? Um, uh, through uh, Amazon, through my site, through Barnes & Nobles, you know, all the, the various uh, bookstores. All right. Global Warming, A Convenient Disguise, and Solar Rain, The Earth Changes Have Begun. Uh, let's talk about uh, the title of the first book, Global, Ra- uh, Global Warming, A Convenient Disguise, because we alluded to that in the um, off the top, talking about this. Uh, this study saying that 2016 was the hottest year on record, but only going back to 1880. So, what do you mean by global warming a convenient disguise? Um, in part, that was a play on on uh, uh, Al Gore. Al Gore's uh, yeah, documentary, Gore. <laughs> right? On, on Gore's book, a convenient uh, truth, uh, uh, inconvenient truth, right? Um, and, yeah, I do go into detail of what the science says uh, uh, about what is global warming. Uh, first thing I did was identify where did that word or words come from. And it was literally born in, in the year 1988 by James Hansen. It was mm-hmm. in a, a Senate hearing. And they were talking about climate and other things and trying to get funding. And he literally made up the word uh, global warming. And global warming was born right then. Uh, and he went on to uh, to use the, the data, computer-generated data, to uh, support his hypothesis. Unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, is, uh, you know, incorrect data in makes incorrect data out. Uh, and the so-called uh, hockey stick was, was born by, uh, by man, M-A-N-N. Uh, and it was all based on hypotheticals, and nothing, none of it has, has played out, never has. Uh, and so we went into that in, in exploring what he was trying to convey, and it just didn't add up. Well, as, as I mentioned before in a previous interview, I, I went right to the source. I went right to, directly to NOAA, and, and, and I mean directly to NOAA, like the director of space weather. Uh, and I also went to NASA as well to, to find out the facts. And uh, none, none of the data added up. Um, partly of what he's uh, 
what he was talking about were uh, El Nino uh, type of effects, and uh, that's a point of shifting ocean and jet stream currents, um, which does play with, uh, you know, has, has a strong role in weather patterns. But I went beyond that to find out, well, what is causing this El Nino, La Nina, La Cucaracha? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that is a play on words. Uh, and it, it, it really, as you mentioned before the break, it, it went back to um, outside of our atmosphere. Uh, and, and beyond our magnetic field. In other words, in other words, Mitch, you're you're trying to understand uh, what is behind whether it's a, a period of global warming. Let's face it, we have had some global warming. We've also uh, the global warming then appeared to stall. Uh, there have been other periods in the Earth's history. We had the Little Ice Age where there have been global. There's been global cooling. Uh, so you're trying to understand what's behind this. Uh, and and your, the takeaway here is that while there may be some anthropogenic um, involvement, it, it's what? It's minimal and that for the real cause of climate change, if you look at the cycles, it's what? It's not putting carbon dioxide. We're at 400 parts per million in the atmosphere. Some call that a, a, a carbon dioxide starvation diet. When you consider in a greenhouse, when you grow those beautiful hothouse tomatoes that are available this time of year, what do the farmers pump into those greenhouses? Carbon dioxide. How much do they pump in? About 1,500, 1,200 to 1,500 parts per million. That's optimal for plant growth. We're sitting at 400 parts per million. That's a starvation diet. Anyway, well, I'm... that's right. Uh, yeah. So what do, you, what, do you, what do you say then is behind these, these cycles? What's driving these cycles of climate change? Well, uh, I certainly will address that, uh, and, and perhaps just as importantly is what is driving James, ha- James Hansen. Well, it's, it's probably a, a double-edged sword. Um, uh, as a researcher, I, I, I can speak upon that. If, if, my, if my theories uh, are not playing out as I have predicted, I probably will be defensive about it. Uh, I try to keep an open mind, and, and I try to be humble enough to realize where I may some errors. And I've noticed this with many researchers when, when they produced uh, their material. I think that in part is what happened to James Hansen. Um, it's it's kind of hard to back up if you've made some errors, especially after you've gone public with them. Um, and I, so I think that was part of what, what plays. The other part is really follow the money. Um, there's, there's just an enormous amount of money involved in, in this uh, concept of, of global warming. And really, that's at the core uh, of, of what I have to say, and in part what's in that book, uh, is that there's only so much money to go around. If we put all our eggs in one basket, if you will, and we, and we go with this, uh, this idea of, of that uh, somehow we can prevent uh, global warming and that we're the cause, uh, and, and Hansen et al. believes that we're 100% responsible all the research that I've done says that we do contribute maybe the high numbers around 15%. So we do have some control on that. Uh, and, and I certainly know of not one person who is pro-pollution. I, I don't know anybody who would rather have pollution than something else. Just oh, agreed. There, there are lots of reasons why we need to um, obviously be more efficient with energy use, energy security, for one thing, that plays into geopolitics and putting boots in the ground in, in places all over the world and, you know, getting b- body bags back. So there's energy independence. There's a lot of reasons. And pollution, of course. 
Um, anyway, continue. Uh, so there, there, that plays for for one uh, part of what I think is motivating this 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 whole movement, if you will. And they they got a big running start uh, in 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 uh, really it's kind of a military strategy, and that is to win the hearts and minds of the public. And uh, that that's that's what's been driving them, and they and they made some great progress. However, in the last uh, oh, I'd say three years, it's really starting to roll back. The first thing they kind of successfully did is try to shame people, shame scientists, uh, if they were to go up against the global warming theories. The shame, oh, what are you, pro-pollution? You know, it's, it's that black and white thing. It reminds me of George Bush uh, with the, the, the terrorist. You either are with me or you're with the terrorist. No, 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 wait a minute. Let's back up. It has nothing to do with that. Now, setting that aside, well, if we're not 100% responsible or even a majority responsible for pollution or, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry about that, up to, of warming trends or cooling trends, then what is? Um, and that leads me back over to uh, what, what's happening outside of our solar system, certainly within our solar system directly related to the sun. And the conduit that connects it all is charged particles. These charged particles come in many, in many facets. The largest, uh, it, it, there, there is a spectrum uh, from, from small to large. The largest of the particles is actually the solar ray. Believe it or not, the least damaging of, of these uh, of various charged particles. The most damaging one is the galactic cosmic ray, which also has to be the smallest. And there's also gamma rays. The, the, um, the thread that runs through all of them is radiation. Uh, and what we have found is that during our solar cycles, uh, even our short-term solar cycles, like the 11-year cycle, right. during the solar maximum, it's, it's, it's conflicting. Um, it, it certainly has a role when, when we're at solar maximum and large solar flares and coronal mass ejections and coronal holes are just shooting out at us. It's, it has a very spike. It's like a, a solid single punch. However, it's not the whole fight. Um, the, the bigger fight... The more damaging uh, scenario are these smaller cosmic rays. However, during the time of, of, of uh, solar maximum, the big solar, uh, solar charges come. Uh, but um, I would say probably counterintuitively that the more damaging time is during solar minimum. The reason for that is that uh, when there's a less amount of solar energy uh, coming towards us and into the solar system, it lets in more galactic cosmic rays. Right, because during and a solar maximum, you have solar winds. And if you don't, in the absence right. of solar winds, you have nothing to, to sort of blow the, the other cosmic rays uh, coming in. Yes, you got it. Um, it, it it's a, it's a See that, Albert? I got exactly. it. Go ahead, sorry. No, that's fine. Uh, and uh, so it's during these times of solar, of solar minimum that's really more damaging. Now, that's the, that's the short-term cycle. Now we That's go an, 11 to, year, uh, an 11 year cycle, right? Yeah, the, the 11 year cycle. Right. When we go into a little bit larger cycle, like a 100 year cycle or even a 1000 year cycle, we can see that we're in a trend of having uh, lower solar maximums uh, uh, in strength and higher durations of solar minimum. That doesn't play well for us. That means that during these longer cycles, that the more the galactic. Uh, cosmic rays are coming through, and some of the new science that wasn't available 10 years ago when, when I wrote my second book is that, is that 
these charged particles uh, actually penetrate our atmosphere, upper atmosphere, ionosphere, and down into our lower atmosphere and continue uh, all the way to our uh, outer core, to their outer core. And how do these cosmic uh, rays, uh, Mitch, how do they affect climate? Do they, do they cause cloud formation, or what do they do? They, they cause heat. Um, and yes, well, no, no, actually, you're right. Yes, they, cloud formation is a big part of it. That, um, when, when, uh, when we're speaking specifically to galactic cosmic rays, yes, there is data that strongly suggests that uh, cloud cover um, does play uh, a, a major, a major role. Um, secondly, it's the heat element. The more uh, charged particles that, that make their way through, whether they be solar or, or cosmic, find their way to the to the Earth's core. The Earth's core heats up. When the Earth's core becomes overheated, it begins to sweat. And the way the Earth sweats is through something called mantle plumes. And, the, it, and so if you can uh, visualize this viscous, uh, lava-like uh, liquid uh, purging up from, from the outer core through these, these pores, if you will, <laughs> I think it's a very good analogy of the same way when a human oversweats, uh, overheats, we sweat through our pores. Um, I would say same for the Earth. When the Earth overheats, it sweats too. So the the, these, uh, the cosmic these rays, stars. the cosmic rays penetrate into the atmosphere all the way to your Earth's core, and they cause volcanic an increase in underwater volcanic activity, which heats the oceans, which heats the atmosphere. Yes, yes, you got it. Uh, of course, if that's a very good and simple answer, there's a little bit more complexity sure. to it. And how do we measure? Are we able to measure the cosmic rays? Do we have cosmic ray measurement stations here on Earth and in the atmosphere? Yes, we do. Uh, and the more sophisticated uh, our, our, our spacecraft, our instruments in space are becoming, uh, the further out we can go to, to collect this data, and the more accurate it is. And there's also ground-based. Uh, uh, data that uh, where they collect uh, uh, cosmic cosmic rays, where they can where they can measure actually the whole spectrum of, of charged particles. Okay, I want to throw one uh, more thing into the equation because okay, so l- let me just recap here. We have the eleven year sun cycle, and when we have a solar maximum, we have uh, a lot of sunspot activity. We've got solar winds blowing, but when we get to a solar minimum at the e- end of that eleven year cycle. No solar or very few solar winds, so the cosmic rays from further out in the galactic neighborhood start to come and penetrate the Earth's atmosphere all the way to the Earth's core, uh, heat up the Earth's core. The Earth begins to sweat in the form of underwater volcanic activity, which heats the oceans. Now, what about, and I've heard you talk about this, I've read it on uh, scienceofcycles.com, the weakening of the Earth's magnetic field, which also plays a part in keeping some of these cosmic rays at bay. So what's so bring that into the equation. Well, that's right. Uh, that uh, simply compounds the the situation, uh, and that is a great launching point to to venture into the idea of, of these cycles within cycles. But I'll we'll return to that in a second. Uh, that's right. The, the Earth's magnetic field is is weakening. In fact, uh, data that or it's about two years old now. Um, the measurements are showing that it's that it's weakening ten times faster than it did a century ago. Um, has the Earth seen this before? You bet, <laughs> many times. Uh, so all of this plays into the to this role of 
of warming and cooling trends, not just small 11-year cycles and not even just 100-year cycles, but, uh, you know, thousands of year cycles. The next largest cycle would be the 41,000-year cycle that plays a role in the procession. Uh, and that has to do with the uh, dynamics of, of the Earth's position, uh, that it wobbles and rotates. Uh, and that, too, has a big role in warming and cooling trends and also the direction of which these the galactic particles would enter into our solar system, our sun, of course, and into the Earth as well. All right. We'll uh, take a time out. Mitch Batros, author of Global Warming, A Convenient Disguise. I can just hear the tweets going out now. How dare you have this person, this denier on. Uh, and also uh, the author of Solar Rain, The Earth Changes Have Begun. Mitch Batros, scientific journalist with Science of Cycles, scienceofcycles.com, the website, back with more of our conversation in mere moments. Stay with us. Poking holes in the darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Uh, welcome back. Mitch Batros, scienceofcycles.com, the website, his books, Global Warming, A Convenient Disguise, and Solar Rain, The Earth Changes Have Begun. Just a quick uh, tweet. I'll get you to respond to Mitch from Anonymous. Can your guest address the exponential amount of blacktop asphalt that has been laid and retention of solar heat via rising temps? So the idea here that uh, as we continue to urbanize and we continue to pave things over, that blacktop or asphalt is absorbing a lot of heat, but it's reflecting some of the heat or radiating the heat back up into the atmosphere. What role would that contribute to global warming? Sure, it plays a role. The question has always been how much of a role. And what the global warming enthusiasts will tell you is it plays a 100% role. I mean, anything that humans can contribute to, anything that does with advancement, such as paved roads and big cars and so forth, sure, it does play a role. But it's a much smaller role than what most people think. The Earth and its neighborhood has a remarkable method of balancing itself. It finds its equilibrium. It does things that a human might do to find its ambient temperature, right. such as sweating. In our history, we've had much larger volcanic activity. One large volcano puts enough carbon out that would otherwise take three years just in the standards that we have today. That's right. You and I uh, talked about this when we were on Coast to Coast together. You have one of these eruptions, a major eruption, Mount Etna or or some large volcano, and after three or four days, it's put so much ash and carbon into the atmosphere, carbon dioxide. Anything that we've done to try and curb carbon dioxide emissions over the last three, four, five years will be undone in a matter of days. So what's the point? You can't fight. It's like shoveling sand against the tide. That's true, and this is why I, I try to be careful with the audience because I want to continue to drive the point that I don't know of one single person that is pro-pollution. If there was another way, I think we would all do it. It's not about being for or against pollution. I, I just don't see it in that frame. Oh, 100%. Uh, but we have to remember, though, that carbon dioxide isn't a pollutant. It's a, it's a nutrient, right? Without it, we all die. Well, yes, that's true as well. The other factors that I, I might introduce to when, when these kind of arguments come up is uh, where were all these paved roads and, and, and these uh, HUVs and uh, larger vehicles, uh, polluting vehicles, in 1935? Why was it that we had this incredible uh, phenomenon we call the Dust Bowl of the 1930s? 
It has nothing to do with the things that we have today. Yet it was there. So these cycles are going to happen with or without us. If there were no humans on Earth, we would see these warming and cooling trends. That's the way it is. So when you have a mindset of, well, let's stop paving roads, let's don't cut any more trees, I think it really misses the point. It's really sad because that gives the idea that somehow we can prevent warming and cooling trends, and we cannot. We can prepare for them. Nothing's wrong with preparing for a harsh warming or cooling trend that's coming our way, but to think that we can prevent it is a waste of time and money and energy, and it's scary to me when I see such support that has been going on for the last 10 years. It's kind of like we have terrorism. Let's go attack Iraq. Iraq is the problem. They're the, they're the ones who had something to do with the, with the terrorism here. We now know that that was not the cause at all. In fact, it was the wrong country. That's right, uh, because Saddam Hussein so, was a bulwark against yeah. terrorism. Exactly. I want to get back to the cosmic rays for a moment, because I find this fascinating. You mentioned that this, you know, we're all familiar with the solar flares and solar radiation and so forth. But these other cosmic rays, which this is radiation, gamma rays and so forth, uh, is there, do they have a cycle? Uh, because let's say, for example, there's a supernova uh, way out in the far reaches of um, the galaxy. And, I mean, how, how long does it take those, 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 those rays, those cosmic rays to reach Earth? Let's say it's, well, I guess it would take, if it's four light years away, it's going to take, what? Four years, well, right? No, no, you, you see, that, that is a great point, Richard. And that is where my research has taken me now. This is, this is just where I've been in the last three years. I, I could not have answered this question just three years ago. But uh, um, it, it, I ventured as far as I could, and of course there's never enough, there's always more, in, my, in the Sun-Earth connection. But I sure was curious about, well, what is it that drives our solar system? Where is the connection? And, and even though I had that drive to do that, that inclination, um, did, we have, uh, did we have the materials, uh, such as the space, spacecraft uh, out in space, that could give us those answers? We did not back then. We do now. So now, with, with such instruments, we can start to see where these pulsars uh, and these novas and supernovas uh, come from. We could follow it backwards, is, is how it's done, uh, and how far away it was. So here is the issue of relativity. So even though an event occurred 100,000 years ago, um, it, does that even though it occurred 100,000 years ago, how, how does that affect us today? Well, well, hang on. Let me get you to uh, hold that point, Mitch. Far. I'll get you to hold that point, Mitch. We'll, uh, we'll answer that on the other side. The Conspiracy Show with Mitch Batros, The Science of Cycles. Stay with us. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Just checking the uh, Twitter feed. I have a lot of people tweeting in with their guesses for our remote viewing experiment, what's in the box, and someone, uh, Leanne, uh, says a whistle, uh, let's see, who else, Mike R., something round yellow, a round yellow bowl with suns on it, Carlsberg says a pen, uh, anyway, we will do the reveal in the second hour, and we'll hunker down and do a, a proper remote viewing experiment for what's in the box with uh, Albert and uh, Ryan and Ian and all of you listening at home, and again, the hashtag is 
TCS, as in the conspiracy show, TCS Remote. Uh, Mitch Batro stays with us for a little bit uh, yet, talking about the science of cycles. Global warming, a convenient disguise, and solar rain, the Earth changes have begun. We were talking about these um, uh, galactic events. Uh, let's say let's say there's some sort of um, an event, a supernova, 100,000 years ago. So you could, let's say, look at, what would you investigate? The um, uh, tree rings or what What sort of evidence are you looking for here on Earth that points to some sort of, I don't know, cataclysmic climate event that you could then relate to a cosmic event? That's right. Again, right on. Um, the, the only way that that could work, Richard, is is, uh, is cycles, is to measure it in cycles. Um, it has, there has to be a, an element of repeatability uh, to be able to have any element of, of, of uh, actual uh, predictability or analysis. So if you, if you can gather data and there's an element of repeatability, that, that contributes a huge amount to, to a, a person's uh, research. So that's where the, the tree rings come in, uh, ice core samples, lake bottom sediment, um, because there it all lies. It's, a, it, it's all in, in plain sight. We didn't have the instruments to measure that until more recently, and as instruments become better and better, we get more accurate. But clearly, we, we already now have instruments that uh, show us these patterns. In fact, an article just came out um, uh, a couple of days ago um, that they have found in tree rings of, uh, of uh, uh, these... Uh, uh, solar cycles, and uh, again, had to have a measure of repeatability, and it, it did have a, a measurement of about 10.6 years as opposed to 11, very close, and the cycle, the ebb and flow of the cycle was almost exactly as it is today. Um, what is the takeaway? The takeaway is that we've been seeing these solar cycles for millennia. Uh, and we have the hard data to show it, that there's always been uh, uh, periods of warming and periods of cooling. There have always been cycles of the sun, always cycles of the earth, always cycles of the galaxy, and that is the next step. There is an ebb and flow to the galaxy named Milky Way. Um, that's, that's where my research has taken me now. Only because we have the instruments to measure it, we couldn't do it before. Do you, uh, do, you do you think that the Mayan long count calendar, which is what five thousand one hundred and thirty six years, and it ended on um, in December, the winter solstice in twenty twelve, do you think the Mayans understood these cycles, and that's what the long count calendar was about? It was about one of these oh, cosmic cycles. That is just tremendous, Richard. I, I I wish your audience could see this. I have a note right in front of me <laughs> that I just wrote five minutes ago to bring up the Mayans, um, and that had to do with... I'm remote viewing, years. Mitch. I'm remote viewing. <laughs> oh, speaking of the box, let me throw mine in. All right. I'm going to say it has something to do with Valentine's Day. Some kind of heart or something red, something arrow. All right, well, I'm going to reveal at midnight, so you'll have to be uh, <laughs> listening and paying attention. Uh, yes, the Mayans. Uh, you know, you're, you're right on, Richard. That, that they only to, uh, there's only two ways that, in my mind, that that the to, to give the credibility to such a ancient uh, civilization, such as the Mayans and the Egyptians and so forth, and that is this. Uh, they were either here a lot longer than we had thought. 
uh, most data tells us that it was about, you know, maybe 2,000, 10,000 years ago. What if it was 50,000 years ago or 60? Who knows? Uh, I, I, that's where I lean. I lean more towards the civilizations. Ancient civilizations have been here a whole lot longer than what most data tells us now. Uh, the other one is that there's some kind of intelligent source out somewhere that came to help us out with this with this knowledge. Sure, sure. Uh, so it's either a way, uh, there's that element of repeatability and long-term cycles. With the Mayans, I, I believe it's either 50 or 55,000 years of, of history and the accuracy that they have provided. It could have only come in, in the two ways I mentioned, that they have been here long enough to pass it down to generation to generation, or some outside source must have provided that information. Okay, we've got about six minutes left here, so I want to get to a couple of things very quickly. One, um, a coming pole shift. First of all, what is a pole shift, and how likely is it to occur in the not-too-distant future? It's 100% to occur uh, in the future. My best guess is that we will see that the the end times of it uh, uh, in, in about 50 years. So those that are living in, in 50 to 60 years from now, uh, I believe we'll see magnetic uh, north bounce significantly, including below the equator. Um, that's what history tells us, is that it's just not one swift uh, flip. Um, the, the stages are what we see now, that it's moving faster than it ever has, uh, the, the you know, the FAA has uh, all anything to do with uh, air, airlines that they have to recalibrate their instruments almost weekly. So, in other words, it's not a pole shift is not, uh, you know, the, the Earth basically uh, turning abruptly on its axis and north suddenly is south and south is north, up is down and down is up. It means that magnetic north is drifting around, could drift below the equator. Uh, so, but what is the significance of that? What would, what, what'll happen here on Earth? Is that cataclysmic? It will be for some species. Uh, those that are most dependent and sensitive to magnetic grid lines, such as birds and turtles and, you know, various animals, uh, they will be, they will have the greatest impact. They'll lose their way. They'll literally lose their way. And, 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 uh, unfortunately, I, I think we're gonna, See the end of, of, of species uh, in our near future. Um, I think that there will there will be some climate shifts. It's not an overnight type of deal, and it won't be a large uh, shift like uh, you know. Once before we mentioned um, uh, the mammoths uh, found in in Alaska or wherever it was um, with with uh, with plants that you you would see in the uh, somewhere around the equator. I think that had something more to do with the Something like an asteroid hit or something. Okay. But um, no, there's not going there's not going to be uh, crustal displacement. It's not about a ball rolling. It's about the magnetics. Um, okay. Uh, inside the Earth. One last quick sure. question, and I wish I, I'd like to. I'm going to bring you back on because I want to spend an hour just on this. We talked about these cosmic rays and these cycles, and that they have an effect on climate. Uh, but you and I have also talked about this. Back in the 30s, President Hoover uh, commissioned or, or formed a, um, an organization that studied the science of cycles, but from an economic standpoint. Uh, so what I'm wondering is, these cosmic rays, 
do they impact on other things besides climate? Do they impact on, for example, human activity, economics? Um, I would go. I would take it in two ways. As far as economics, there are already people who have approached me um, over the last decade related to, uh, you know, uh, vegetation of some type, but really more closely related to, to weather patterns. Um, the other side of that is, is there evidence that show that charged particles affect human emotions? The answer to that is yes as well. Uh, you know, there's, there's uh, uh, an instrument that's being used pretty readily today that's been around for about 10 years now called transcranial magnetic stimulation. Um, so we're talking about magnetics. We're talking about magnetic stimulus to the brain. And it's used mostly for emotions of, of one type or another, uh, also Alzheimer's, uh, but the depression and, and various other mental health uh, facets. So the question, do, do these charged particles not only affect the Earth, but do they affect uh, you, really all living things? The answer is yes. Well, this is uh, fascinating, Mitch, because, because, and I think this was what Hoover's foundation about studying cycles was all about and i think that the you know we talk about the one percent it's not the one percent it's the point zero 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 one percent these are the the ultra wealthy i think these people have tapped into this knowledge they understand that these cosmic cycles these cosmic rays affect human emotion and that there is an this same cycle underlying cycle to for example uh, uh, you know economic crashes and and um, and the, you know the rise and the fall of the stock market because let's face it, economics is driven by human emotion. The stock market is driven by human emotion, and I think they you know, they say you can't time the market, but if you have an understanding of these cycles, that's I think how the super super wealthy make their money. They understand these cycles. What do you say to that? I think you're onto something. Uh, there have been some studies uh, re- related to these cycles and, uh, and, and war uh, and, and, you know, the settlement of one type or no- another. I, I, I wish I, I don't have a lot of answers in that area other than to say I can't deny it. I mean, there's nothing that says that's, that's silly, nothing. Uh, in fact, it says just the opposite, especially in my research related to uh, uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation. Um, because I, I used to study uh, uh, acupuncture as well. Same kind of theory. Uh, you're dealing with the, the meridians of the body, energy points, if you will, has to do with electricity. Uh, and it, what's the whole point of it is to bring back balance. Uh, and when the body's out of balance, then it manifests as an illness of some one type or another. Um, so are there the 0.001% that understand that? I think you've got a great question. Uh, Mitch, uh, a great pleasure. We'll have you back again and again and again, I'm sure. In the meantime, we'll direct people to the website, scienceofcycles.com, scienceofcycles.com. And the book's Global Warming, A Convenient Disguise, and Solar Rain, The Earth Changes, have begun, uh, available online, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and uh, just about anywhere. Just uh, Google it. Uh, Mitch, thank you for this. You're welcome, Richard. It was a pleasure. And best wishes on this on this YouTube thing. I, 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 I hope it's a great success. Thanks, Mitch. We'll talk again. All right. Strangeplanet.ca is your portal to this program and uh, much more. Please visit it. Say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett, S-Y, because I love you, R-E-T-T. And as always, follow the truth.